We all have dreams, but dreams by their very nature can be difficult to achieve. That's where Access Credit Union comes in. Whether it's going to college, owning a car or building your dream home, your local credit union can help you to fulfill your dreams. Access Credit Union. Funding dreams for over 50 years. Close your eyes and pull like down. <laughs> and a new Irish record for Phil Healy, 22.99. Christy Cooney hands over the Sam McGuire Cup to Graham Canty, Cork All-Ireland Champions for the seventh time ever. Hello and welcome to the Star Sport Podcast. My name is Jack McCarran of the Southern Star and I'm joined as always by Star Sport Editor Kieran McCarthy. Before we kick things off, I'd just like to give a gentle reminder to our listeners and viewers to please rate, review and subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify and YouTube. The Star Sport Podcast is brought to you by Access Credit Union. Access Credit Union pride themselves on delivering for their members. Speak to them today about funding your dream. Access Credit Union, funding dreams for over 50 years. On this week's podcast, we're looking ahead to Sunday's Munster final between Cork and Kerry and chatting to two former Cork footballers, Dermot Duggan and Michal Pauly O'Sullivan. Sunday's game is the first meeting between the sides since Cork's famous win over the Kingdom in last year's Munster semi-final. And we'll be asking Michal and Dermot if Ronan McCarthy's side can pull off a similar result in Killarney this weekend. But before we chat about football, we just have some housekeeping we want to get out of the way quickly. Over the coming weeks, we'll be doing several bonus podcasts to coincide with the West Cork athletes competing at the Olympics. So later in the week, we'll have a full preview of the rowing action, which gets underway in the early hours of Saturday morning. And Kieran will be speaking to Jake McCarthy, brother of Finton. And for those of you who haven't heard episode three of our new digital series, the big story is now live at southernstar.ie, YouTube, Spotify, and Apple podcast inside Ireland's greatest rowing club goes behind the scenes at Skibbereen Rowing Club and delves into what makes the club so special now Kierno let's chat football and before we bring in Michal and Dermot I want to quickly get your own thoughts on the game but before that even let's have a quick reminder of that famous win in Porky Cueve last season back to me and again all the way back towards Luke Connolly Connolly kicking up into the air, it's drifting, it's moving, it's still in play, it bounces, it's a goal! It's a goal for Cork! That is amazing! It's the man who came to play, Mark Keane, the man from the AFL, the Mitchell Stone player, the Collingwood player! Now Kieran, we touched on it last week, but can you realistically see Cork winning on Sunday? Cork have a puncher's chance when it's there's two teams involved they have a chance um but I have to say I think it's unlikely 
that Cork will win down in Clarny. It's not just a record. I know people will talk about the record that we have here on the podcast that Kerry having last uh, Munster or All-Ireland Football Championship game at Fitzgerald Stadium since 1995. That's a 26-year unbeaten record. So it's Fortress Clarny in many ways for the Kerry senior football team. But putting that aside for a second, this Kerry team is just moving quite well at the moment. They're moving with a menace and a purpose. They're putting up big scores. They went well in the league. They're a team that set their sights on on dethroning D- uh, Dublin. So that's where this Kerry team is at. And to be, I suppose, quite frank, the Cork team are at, at a different stage in their development. Cork aren't at the stage yet where they're in a conversation to win an All-Ireland senior football title like, like Kerry are. So... When you look at it, kind of when you step back from it and look at it, um, take away the fact it's Cork and Kerry. But when you look at the the two teams from from that point of view, um, you you can understand why Kerry are big favourites to 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 winning Clarny on Sunday. Like um, if you heard there, Mark Keane's goal, like that was dramatic last November. Like that was an incredible moment for this Cork Cork football team. But things could be much more different now. Think back to that November, cold November night when the rain was cascading down. Now we're in the midst of a, of a heat wave. Um, and you're talking about Killarney on a, on a summer sunny uh, Sunday in, in July. The conditions couldn't be much more different. Like I said, this Kerry team is a bit of a, a purpose about them. They'll be out to avenge last year's defeat to Cork as well. Um, I'm sure that's not their only motivation. Like They just want, because it's knockout, they have to win. Their season's on the line. So um, that's that's their main motivation. Be Cork, move on to the to the next level. It's not to say Cork don't have a chance, but everything needs to fall right. Everything needs to fall right. They need to have the game of their season. They really need to up their performance levels. Um, I've seen all five Cork games this year, four in the league and against Limerick a couple of weeks ago in the Gaelic grounds. And while Cork have have been improving and they're 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 getting better and better right now, they're not at a level to beat a Kerry team that's at the, operating at the level that they're at. That's not to say it can't happen because it did last week. And I know that's kind of, I, I'm just kind of making no sense in a way now. But if you look, if you look at it coldly, Kerry should win this game, Jack. Is there any sliver of positivity that Rowan McCarthy and his charges can take from the fact that today, less than five days out from the game, one of Kerry's most high-profile players of the last decade has announced that he's stepping away from the panel. James O'Donoghue hasn't been involved with any Kerry matchday squads this year, but he's still, as I said, one of their most high-profile players. And for that news to break in the week of the championship, could we potentially see Kerry take their eye off the ball? Or am I grasping at straws here? That, that's stretching now, Jack, to be quite honest, to kind of to, to, to link up those two. But, but it's actually a shame for James O'Donoghue. I remember watching him years ago when he was at, um, in secondary school with the same St. Brennan's in Killarney, and he was such a class act. And go back to the 2014 season, he was, I think, footballer of the year that year, but he's just been dogged with injuries ever since. But like you said, James O'Donoghue hasn't been on the Kerry panel the last couple of games. So, um, again, to be kind of quite frank, he won't be missed this weekend because they have such forward power to call on. Obviously, Clifford, Shawnee, Shea, Paul Ganey, the, the, the likes of those. But if you're looking for sliver of hopes, um, just look at last year. Where that's, Kerry, what that's what we're always looking for here. Slivers of hope, Kieran. That's what keeps us going. And that's what I'm here for now. I'm going to offer those sliver of hopes. A bit of, of uh, a couple of reasons to hang some hope off for, for Cork fans. Cork weren't backed at all before last year's Munster semi-final, yet they went out and they beat Kerry. And nobody saw that coming. Um, Cork aren't backed again, going down to Clarny this Sunday. But can Lightning strike twice? Of course it can. You know, like I said, they have a puncher's chance. It's not this, the odds are stacked against them, but they can win this game. 
only two and a half thousand fans will be at the game too on Sunday, which is a, I know it's a different story, but when you consider that the ground can hold over, what is it, 30, 35, 40,000, you're only going to have two and a half thousand in there. So you're not going to have the raucous atmosphere that you usually have at a Kerry Cork Munster final in Killarney, where it's just, it's an incredible venue to be at with the noise and the home support roaring Kerry on and a huge Cork support who travel on the numbers to cheer the Rebels on. So it's going to be, um, I know the players are getting used to playing in these very much empty venues, but Kerry won't have that home support there the next day. Um, as you'll hear now from Michal and Diarmid coming up, they just talk about Cork need to keep it tight. They really need to keep it tight, especially in the opening half. And if I'm looking at the Cork performance against Limerick the last day, and one of McCarthy touched it after, that they played, they played very compact. Limerick only got 11 points, um, which is, it was a lot better than what we'd seen in the previous previous league games but then again what Limerick have up front is a lot different to what Kerry have up front and obviously you're, you're talking Clifford and Shawnee O'Shea and I was looking there they've combined for 323 between them in their two championship games against Clare and um, Tipperary last time out and it's actually Shawnee O'Shea who's, who's scored more he's got 115 and nine of those have come from place balls so while so much attention is on Clifford um, this, this boy wonder who's taken the Gaelic football world by storm Shawnee O'Shea is going quietly about his business. He's he's a class act and he makes this this Kerry team tick. So Cork have to get the matchups right. Um and whether they put Sean Meehan on on uh, on, on Sean O'Shea, we'll have to wait and see what the what the Cork team is when it's announced. But there is Cork Cork, Cork do have a chance. Like I said, the odds are stacked against him. But um yeah it's hard to see anything but a Kerry win here, Jack. Last point then before we hear from Mihal and Dearman. I think something that Mihal touches on uh, in this chat to come is that the uh, handicap is plus 10 so for those who aren't familiar with the handicap in GA betting that means Cork have to finish within 10 points to beat the handicap so from your point of view Kieran just briefly what would actually represent success for Cork this weekend so you're saying it's unlikely they're going to win surely just beating the handicap isn't going to be enough to sustain the Cork supporters for another year. Surely they have to at least be competitive. And um, success for Cork on Sunday would be if if they won, if you asked Ronan McCarthy, no, like that's all they're looking at. And um talking to the media who were at the press day last week, there's a real belief in the Cork camp that they are going to Clarney and they're going to win down in Clarney. And, and that's actually great to hear that this Cork team have belief. And it's very much a young Cork team too, when you think of the likes of of Sean Meehan, even Sean Potter, players like this. Because they're used to beating Kerry underage. And just look, look at last week, the Cork under-20s beat Kerry in the Munster under-20 under um, semi-final. Over the last couple of years, the Cork Miners have they've, they've won an, an All-Ireland title under-20s too. So this new brigade, this new generation coming up are used to winning. And that's great to have that mentality coming in to this camp. But um, And they'll bring that down to Clarney. Like I said, they'll fully believe that they're going to win. But I think success for Cork, again, if we're being quite realistic, is to stay competitive for as long as they can. If you go back to 2019, when Cork got to the Super 8s, they were very competitive with the likes of Dublin and Tyrone for 60 minutes or so. Um, if Cork can do something similar, stay competitive for, for 60 minutes in Clarny the next day, and if the game is in the melting pot, maybe we might see 
the composure that Cork were lacking two years ago. They might have that now. Uh, we don't know until you put Cork in that position in a big championship, must win game, a knockout game, 10 minutes to go. If there's two points in it in Killarney, that's when we learn a lot more about this Cork team. Like I said, have to tip Kerry to win this. I just think they are the better team and they're in a better place right now. But if Cork can stay in the game with 10 minutes to go, um, I think that represents uh, a, a better day at the office than what the, what the other reality could be is that Kerry get a fast start and run away with it. Well, let's see what two former Cork footballers and two brilliant footballing minds make of it. Let's hear now from Michal, Holly O'Sullivan and Dermot Duggan. We're joined now on the Star Sport podcast by two Rebel stalwarts, Holly O'Sullivan and Dermot Duggan, to have a look ahead to the big game this weekend, the Munster Senior Football Final down in Clarney. It's Cork against Kerry. Dermot, I, I come to you first. Um, Cork against Kerry in Clarney on a summer sunny Sunday in July. It doesn't get any better than that. No, definitely doesn't get any better than that, does it? Um, I mean, Killarney of all places, well, I think the Cork crowd normally love going down there. Um, obviously, this year, there's only, I think there's a limit of 2,500 or 2,000 maybe or something. So they're going to miss out on that. But um, it's a big occasion, obviously. The Munster final is always huge. And I think it's always uh, better when it's Cork Curry as well, you know. And um, these games, I think they, they can, you know... Obviously, going in the next day, Kerry will be raging hot favourites. But these games, they have a habit of, you know, uh, not going hard to the script. So you just don't know how it's going to pan out, you know. Um, particularly, I suppose, the way Kerry are coming in um, after last year's loss to Cork, they're going to be under a little bit of pressure. So um, it's going to be interesting the way it pans out, all right, for sure. Holly, um, what do you mean to there about kind of Cork fans travelling in numbers to Clarny, and they do every time there's a game at Fitzgerald Stadium, huge Cork numbers. What is it about, I suppose, Clarny, the stadium, the whole occasion, that just brings out such a Cork crowd? Well, I suppose it's the fact that the stadium is in the town, you know, and it, it's very handy for supporters to head to Clarny early on Sunday morning and enjoy the atmosphere around the town and be able to walk up to the match when it suits them in time for showing. Um, There'd be a mixture of Cork and Kerry supporters, all around the streets, the banter would be starting, you know. Um, it, it builds the atmosphere before you even go into the stadium, which which leads to the atmosphere in the stadium afterwards, you know. Like Dermot said as well, Hardy, I think there's a limit of two and a half thousand tickets for Sunday's game. So um, still, they're expecting big crowds in Clarny, the town itself on Sunday. But looking back on your own playing days, any memories stand out of Cork Kerry Tussles at Fitzgerald Stadium? Um, I think we went down there in 2002 and... Should have come out of it with a win, but we got a draw. I think it's the same day Ireland. We're playing Spain in the pelting rain in, in Killarney. And I'd say a lot of supporters stayed in the pub that day and didn't, didn't go up to the match because the weather was so bad. But, you know, we probably should have come out of it like a lot of other Cork teams over the last 15 or 20 years. You know, Cork haven't, haven't won down there in, uh, since 1995. So, look, it's a huge ask for, for Orphanage going down there. But, you know, records are there to be broken. You know, and like Dermot said earlier, Cork and Kerry games can often take a life of their own. It doesn't really matter. Farm goes out the window sometimes when you're going into these games. So, you know, Cork have a chance going down there. It'll depend, you know, how we show up on the day and how it starts and all the rest of it. We need to get out of the blocks. 
I'll have to put my hand up here now. Back in 2002, I was one of those fans who was, I was in Mustang Sally's watching the Ireland-Spain game. And, and after the game, we looked outside and, and we, we saw the rain that was falling down and we decided to stay in, indoors that day. But um, I think a good time was had by all. But going back to this weekend's game, Dermot, Cork are travelling <laughs> down to Kerry. Um, and this is a go down to a Kerry team, sorry, in Fitzgerald Stadium. A Kerry, Kerry footballers have not lost in 26 years at Fitzgerald Stadium. I think the unbeaten run now is stretching to 36 games, um, provincial football championship games. Does a record like that have any bearing on a game like this? Will it be weighing on the players' minds, both Cork and Kerry? I don't think so. Obviously, home advantage, I think, always does have a big bearing, you know, but I suppose that's probably more so in ordinary or normal times, you know, when you have a full house or whatever. But um, these current players, I, I, I'm not so sure what, that they'll be dwelling on that fact that much, you know. Um, some of these Cork players have beaten Kerry at underage already, you know, so I think that's the, the a more telling kind of a thing in their minds rather than the long record of Killarney. But, um, like, having said that, I suppose there is an added advantage for sure. I mean, these Kerry players are training in and out um, every single week down in Killarney, you know, and it does become a little bit familiar even, you know, particularly from a forwards point of view, maybe, you know, they're comfortable, you know, kicking points from different areas that they've been thousands of times before, you know. So um, it probably is, It's like, there's no doubt it is a, It is an advantage. But at the same time, I don't think the Cork players will be dwelling on it too much. They'll probably be trying to feed from the memory bank of last year, beating Cork, or sorry, beating Kerry up in Cork. So I think that's probably what they'll be kind of trying to keep to the forefront of their minds. And just on that, dear Miss that Cork did beat Kerry in last year's Munster semi-final up in Parky Cueve, that dramatic late marquee goal. That almost kind of took the monkey off the back in, in, in a certain certain way because Kerry had dominated the Munster Championship. I think they'd won the previous seven before that. So for this young Cork team to beat Kerry, that will surely kind of, that will be in the back of their minds too going, to, going down to Killarney because they know that, that they can beat this Kerry team. I think so. I think they can take huge energy from that, you know. Um, and like, granted, they lost Tipperary afterwards, which was a huge disappointment. But to be fair to them, they followed it up already with one comprehensive enough chal- or, um, first round championship game against Limerick, you know. So that's probably how the Tipperary game's gone from their minds now, and they can probably fall back in the memory of beating Kerry, you know. Um, and like that day, if you if you recall, like Cork did show a lot of energy, a lot of appetite, and a lot of bite, much more than Kerry. And I think they'll they'll obviously have to bring all that to the table again the next day. But I think if they do, you know, they're in with a fighting chance. And, you know, as Holly mentioned there earlier, they are up against it. There's no doubt about that. But, you know, Munster final, Kerry will be under a little bit of pressure from after last year as well, you know, because it is knockout as well. So you just don't know if Cork bring it on the day, then they have a fighting chance for sure. Holly, that's another good point there, my dear, that there's this expectation now on Kerry to not only challenge Dublin for the Ireland, Ireland this year, but almost to make amends for the loss to Cork last year. But the, and that will bring its pressure. But can lightning strike twice? Can Cork footballers beat Kerry again this year? Look, I suppose for, for any player or for any management, managing expectations is a huge thing. You know, expectation can lead to poor performance. You know, if you if you go into a game expecting to win, all of a sudden there can be a little little bit of a downturn in performance. But all the best teams and their management teams manage expectation well, like like Dublin do as an example. But there is no doubt that Kerry will carry huge anger into Killarney this time because they feel that they were caught last year more than anything else. Um, I suppose then there was the talk that followed Parky Creeve last year that Peter Keane played two defensive wing forwards in Ron and Buckley and 
and Brian Bigley. Um, that kind of played into Cork's hands because Cork's two wing-backs thing could afford to sit back in front of the likes of Shani Shea and David Clifford and, and, and help tie those guys up. But it's going to be a different... Um, it's going to be a different kettle of fish in Killarney because Peter Keane is now picking six scoring forwards. You know, has the likes of um, Paul Ganey and Stephen O'Brien at 10 and 12 and all the other sharpshooters um, inside. So I think Ron McCarthy has a different set of decisions to make this time. Like, will the whole idea of playing powder as a free man work and who are they going to let free? You know, Ken Cork, um, you know, get anything out of the fact that Gavin Crowley at centre-back for Kerry is an inexperienced centre-back. Um, Jason Foley and Brian Hurley, would he have come across him before? Can we get good enough ball in there that he'd expose him? You know, so this, this Kerry team aren't without their question marks either. And I know Shane Ryan is back in goal and the inexperienced keeper, I can't remember his name, that was gone. But, you know, there are chinks there that Cork can expose provided they have enough possession and provided that they stay in the game, I think, and don't concede goals early. But the longer we stay in the game... You know, there might be a little bit of jitters coming to the Kerry side because that expectation is there, because they're seen as the 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 the, the biggest che- their their next next best team to Dublin on paper. So look, I'd be all about keeping it tight early, trying to stay in the game, hoping that we're there with a quarter north to go and have a right cut off at them. I'm gonna be the devil's advocate here, dear Miss. And just for our listeners on the podcast, just to stress, I'm wearing a red top, so I can't be accused of any bias before I ask this question. But, and I've asked this to you before, Dermot, have Cork the forwards to trouble Kerry in this game? But I'm looking at, there's no Cahal mm-hmm. He's out injured and he's a big loss. Obviously, Kieran Sheehan um, retired from the inter-county scene as well. And I was in the Gaelic grounds when Cork beat Limerick a couple of weeks ago. And John O'Rourke and Brian Hurley were the only two Cork forwards who scored. And Brian Hurley's first points from play, I think, came in the 67th minute. Um, when you want to beat a team like Kerry in their home patch in Killarney, you need your forwards to bring their A game. So do Cork have the forwards first to trouble Kerry and then to beat Kerry? Yeah, I suppose you can't hide away from the fact, you know, of what you mentioned there, there was only two of the forwards scored against Limerick. But, you know, when you think of the modern game, it's changed so much in the last 10 years. And an awful lot of scores now from any team, whether it's the Northern teams or Dublin or anyone else, a lot of the scores actually come from halfbacks or even cornerbacks. So... I think it doesn't really matter where the scores are coming from. Um, and I think Cork's strongest game is probably a running game. And I, I think it's it's the time when, when Cork trouble most teams when they run at them. If you think back to a couple of years ago when Cork played Dublin in the Super 8s, for about 60 minutes of that game, they had Dublin under pressure. And it was because they were running in numbers and, and flooding the Dublin defence. So I think Cork are very, very good at that. And even when you think back to the goal that um, they scored, that John O'Rourke scored against Limerick, it was a number of players flooding, starting by Rory Dean. He skipped the tackle and suddenly they kind of overpowered and overflooded the, the Limerick defence. So I wouldn't be, like, granted, definitely there's no doubt, you know, um, when you compare Kerry's forwards and Cork forwards, Kerry forwards are definitely better. They're probably the best set of forwards in the country, really. So if you go man for man or whatever, Kerry are definitely better forwards. But I think Cork played a little bit of a different game and you can see the last day how many of the defenders scored. I think there was a Sean Meehan, a centre-back, um, Powder scored, um, Keem Kiley got a few scores, an awful lot of scores kind of came from midfield or defence. So I wouldn't be overly worried, you know, where they're coming from once they're scoring. And I think what Hawley said is very important. I think it's really important that they keep it really tight to begin with um, so that they stay in the game. And I think Cork will need a few goals. And it's not beyond them because Cork have shown that they can score goals 
And I think they will need at least two or three because they won't um, beat Kerry on point kicking anyway, that's for sure. So they will need goals, I would think. Justin Cork's need for goals, so Holly. Over the last couple of years, in fairness to Cork, they've caused Kerry a lot of problems when they run at their Kerry defence. If you're looking at a at a weak link or a chink in the Kerry team, it's probably kind of in their their half back line, full back line. And we saw in Parky Quivik for a couple of years for Cork, they got three three goals in one monster final and they created a couple of more with that strong running from the likes of Rory Dean. Is that a way to get at this this Kerry team? Because Kerry won't set up like Limerick did up on the Gaelic grounds, where Limerick flooded in behind the balls and Cork found it very hard to break that down. Kerry will come at Cork and that could leave it open to the counter-attack in for Cork to cause Kerry problems at the opposite end. Yeah, and look, our football is a very, very funny game. Um, as we saw towards the latter stages of the league, you know, we were heaping praise on, on Cork's forward line because they were ripping apart the level of team that they were that they were playing at the time. And obviously Limerick saw that and Billy Lee saw that and set up with his 14 behind and knew what Connolly was going to do. He was going to drop out into that space between the 45 and 65 and clutter that area and shut down Cork's forwards. Now, the good thing about that was Cork reacted and changed their game plan slightly and our halfbacks came into the game more and punched holes in that Limerick defence and we got a lot of scores from behind. But I felt against Limerick that our inside forwards, their movement wasn't good enough. You know what I mean? Like there, there was opportunities to give quicker ball in, but the movement wasn't good enough inside and it's going to have to be far better than that. And I agree that Cox's running game in the past has served him well, but the way the game has gone, it has to be, an, it has to be a mix of both foot passing and that hard running game that Cox have to break down. They need a high quality defence, no, because like if Cox just run at Kerry, Kerry are going to shut down that running style because they have a lot more physical players than Cork have. Now, Cork might have had those players in the past, but I still think we'll have to mix it up. And, like, you do have inside there. I know Luke Conley had an off date last day, but, like, Luke Conley will probably be on Brian Begley. You know, there is a, a size difference there, you know, so the opportunity might be there to put the ad high diagonal ball in to mix it up a little bit. Um, you know, you have Tom Sullivan on the other side, probably marking Dan Odenin. Um, Rory Dean, I think, if he decides to take the scoring opportunities himself and not lay off the ball all the time, could cause Gavin Crowley huge trouble. And then it'll depend on the matchups around the middle. They'll probably put Dimmer O'Connor on, on Maguire to match Maguire's running game. Whether it's Hartnett or Walsh, then on David Moore, like Moore hasn't got the pace that he used to have, doesn't get around the pitch as well. Can we expose that? You know, so there are there are things that uh, that Cork can look at to try and find those weaknesses and little chinks in the in, in the carry armory that, that could serve as well on the day. Dear, when you're looking at this Cork team, so who are the men that need to stand up on Sunday? Who are the match winners in this Cork team? I suppose Sean Meehan as centre back anyway has a has a big role to play if he's going to be marking Sean O'Shea, that's number one. Mm. Um, I think Brian Hurley um in full forward um, you know he's 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 an experienced player now at this stage, so I suppose they'll be looking to Brian Hurley to provide a lot of leadership and provide some scores as well. Uh, and obviously Maguire, you know, is is a central figure for Cork as well with his um, marauding runs, you know, straight down through the middle. You know, if he doesn't score himself, he offloads very very well as well, and he just gets Cork going very often. You know, and I think he's a key key player for them um, on Sunday. Now. We've done very well in this podcast to get this far without mentioning David Clifford. He's a he's a man who's from just out the road. Fossa is literally two minutes out the road from Fitzgerald Stadium. 
He is a man too who's been on fire in, in this year's championship. And in this week's Southern Star in Hawley's column, he's looking at five ways to stop David Clifford. And as you say in the col- in the column, Hawley, that's easier said than done. Um so <laughs> Just a quick look here, I suppose, how important is it for Kerry? I suppose you can't stop a player like David Clifford. You're just going to try and curb his influence and threat as much as you possibly can. But how much of a key man is Clifford for Kerry? And how can Cork just try and curb him some bit? Well, I, well, I suppose you, you, you saw him in Tipperary game. Um, Clifford didn't touch the ball for the first 14 minutes of the Tipperary game. And the first touch he got, he got a goal. And the game was, let's say, reasonably balanced at the time. But all of a sudden, it lifted the whole Kerry team. The minute he got a goal, they racked up one three in something like five minutes. It was game over, you know. So I think I think that's why it's so important. Like you give Clifford a certain amount to start the game, but we have to stop goals early. That's the key thing because in Fitzgerald Stadium, Kerry get goals, and they will come out of the blocks and try and quench Cork early because you know there there will be a lot of anger there. They'll be trying to get that anger to the system quickly. It's very important that, as Dermot said, that we stay tight early. Now, marking Clifford, like it looks to me like Daniel O'Mahony has to be the man because we've made mistakes in the past where two years ago in Parky Cueve, Sam Ryan, Mark Clifford. Last year in the Munster final, you ended up with a smaller player, Paul Ring, marking Connor Sweeney, you know, and we suffered big time. Mara Shenley did well enough last year, but he's probably not going to be there because he's injured. But Daniel O'Mahony looks to have the size, the physicality and the pace and, you know, against... Danny Neville against Limerick. He played from the front, looked very, very impressive, was able to hold up his man and delay. And if he can do that with Clifford, force him to win the ball out by the sidelines, try and delay him and let us get back in numbers and try and try and clutter that space then and, and prevent Shani Shays best we can from serving him. You know, we'd be in the game or or or, or that should be the kind of mindset any in my opinion that, that 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 you try and clutter the space, as you say. You can only limit him because he is that quality. But if we're on our game. And work rate has to be ferocious, obviously. You know, we can limit it to five or six points, I think, we'd be in the game. And if you're looking at it too, Dermot, against Limerick, the Cork defence, they tighten up considerably on what we'd seen in the previous two games against Westmead, where they conceded 25 points against, against Clare, it was 118, but coughed up just 11 points against Limerick, which was an improvement. And Ronan McCarthy was saying afterwards that they'd focused on challenge games of being more compact. And we saw the fruits of some of that labour against Limerick, but still Cork conceded some soft freeze. How important is it that Cork don't, that they're very disciplined on the Cork backs and not all the players are very disciplined on Sunday, that they don't give rep freeze for Shawnee O'Shea? It's very important, but I think it's more, it's even more important not to concede goals. So, you know, even, even if they have to give away a point here and there to freeze, I think it's because of the psychological effect of, you know, a goal going in, if Clipper gets it or whoever gets it, I think it's, it's much, much bigger than even three-pointed freeze, if you know what I mean. So I think um, I'd agree with Hawley. I think, you know, getting numbers back is probably the way to mark the likes of Clifford and these, these inside forwards, I think, because um, I don't think the sweeper works because, you know, you've too many gifted forwards out the field for Kerry, you know, that'll just pinpoint it into Clifford's hands and they'll bypass the sweeper. So I think, as as Holly said, you know, delay, delay tactics is probably the way to go as much as they can, you know, and flood numbers back and hopefully frustrate Kerry just through sheer numbers. But um, uh, going back to your point of the freeze, yeah, I think, um, you know, there's only so much they can do. I, I wouldn't be overly concerned if they give away a freeze here and there, but I think not conceding goals is a bigger priority for them. 
We're looking at the strength of the, the Cork team and in the last couple of games, Mark Collins has been sprung from the bench in, in the second half. Holly, is he someone you'd like to see starting given his experience and how he can connect the player? Or do you think it's good to have someone like Mark Collins on the bench to bring in in the second half when you might need fresh legs, a cool head and that experienced, that experienced player that he is? Well, for this, for this particular game and considering you're, you're playing the, the pretenders to the crown, let's say, I'd be going with my strongest 15 and at the very start. And I think Cork have a stronger team with Mark Collins at wing forward and moving Hartnett to midfield. I think when he when he came into midfield the last day for the last 20 minutes when Paul Walsh went off, I think he grew into the game. He was competing very well at kickouts, which we hadn't seen Paul Walsh doing. And he handled the ball far more than he was at wing forward. He doesn't seem to have that naturally to play all his football at midfield. He doesn't seem to have that kind of natural knowledge of, of, of playing at wing forward. And I think Mark Collins with his football ability, has the ability to pick out that. He has that relationship with Brian Hurley inside where, you know, he could pick out that intelligent foot pass into the top of the D that might lead to a one-on-one with Foley, might lead to, like Dermot said, we need those couple of goals if we're going to be in the game. So, like, I think Mark Collins will start for me, no doubt. There's no question. Anyone you'd like to see start any changes to the team, Dermot? Um. It's a very hard team to predict, actually, because I suppose we don't have a lot of evidence to go on. We've only one championship game and only a few league games. So aside from that, I suppose we don't really know how guys are going in training. Um, I mean, Ron McCarty came out last week, didn't he? And he said that Sean White wasn't injured, that he just didn't make the match day 26, which is surprising as well, you know. So uh, Ron is saying that there's great competitiveness within their panel, you know, and which is great to hear and great to see. But, um, you know, I definitely, if, if if guys are fit, I would certainly have Mark Collins uh, on the team anyway, as well, you know, for experience and, and score getting, and, and as Holly mentioned, his link-up play, even with Brian Hurley in that. Um, aside from that, I'm, I'm, I'm generally not sure. I think there'll be a couple of surprises. Um, Rowan seems to uh, surprise us with a, one or two guys the whole time, you know, so um, it's, 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 it's going to be interesting. I think what will be very interesting is who he puts on Clifford, whether it's going to be Flahev, uh, Daniel O'Mahony, potentially Mara Shanley, who um, apparently is injury-free now again, you know, so probably unlikely seeing it as he hasn't played much. But, you know, it's it's. Um, I'm sure there'll be a few surprises when the team is named. So it's prediction time. I'm going to come to you, Harley, first. Cork and Kerry in Clarny this Sunday. Put your reputation on the line. Well... The, the bookies are never wrong, and I think the handicap is about plus 10. Um, I'd, li- I'd like to see Cork making a game of it, but it's hard to see us winning blood there, to be honest, and I, there's no point saying anything different. Um, I think if, we, if, if we're competitive for, for 60 minutes, and if we're there, there boats after 60 minutes, and we're in the game, then we have a chance. But if we let Kerry go early, it could be a long afternoon. Dermot, are you going to give Cork fans some some hope to or, or or some hook to hang some hope off? Um, I suppose look, I'd be similar enough to Hawley's prediction as well. I um I think if they keep it tight, as we mentioned, you know, they have a chance. And if they bring the same hunger and desire that they brought to Parky Cueve last year, then they have a chance. But um, they will need goals. I think there's no doubt about that, and they'll have to stop them going in on the other side. Um with that, I think as the game goes on, Kerry doubts will go on Kerry minds and, and Cork can get confidence from that as well, you know. So it's it's big pressure, you know, for Kerry because it is a knockout situation. So um it isn't beyond Cork, but I think everything will need to go right for them. And, you know, Kerry will probably have to miss a few chances and things like that for, for that to come true. But 
again, I'd go for a Kerry win, um, unfortunately. But, um, you know, I think there's always optimism when Cork are playing Kerry, and I'll be hanging on to that optimism. Great stuff, lads. Enjoy the game on Sunday, wherever you're watching it. And thanks for joining us here on the podcast. Hi, I'm Fiona Kangataran, and I'm an illustrator from Kinsale. During lockdown, wanting to keep myself busy and just having a mad year, I felt like I needed to do something different. And I actually went back and picked up an old hobby where it left off. And it was a passion of mine since I was a kid. It was drawing. I made personalized cards for each and every one of my friends as each and every birthday and celebration and event that got canceled, postponed, or just something that we couldn't meet up in person to celebrate. And I wanted it to mark something special that not just that I remembered the date, but just that I see them and I love them and I care. And of course I miss them so much. And I think we're all going through that all at the same time. And so when I shared those images online, it resonated with so many people and I didn't realize the positive impact that it would have. And it was really powerful. And it was this immediate validation that I was doing something right. That that this was a sign of where I should be taking my, my own career. And then when Access Credit Union approached me about their Funding Dreams campaign, it just felt like fate. And they wanted their community to be represented. They wanted people to be seen and they wanted to bring people together. And that's what the credit union does. And I just couldn't be prouder to be a part of this project. And at the same part time, it's actually made my dream come true of being a paid illustrator. So I couldn't be more grateful that it's going in this direction. Now, Kieran, we're going to dedicate this next slot to previewing this week's Southern Star. And it's a record breaker. I heard you talking about it earlier in the week. You're quite excited by it. I'm quite excited by it. The sports fans of West Cork and Ireland are excited by this week's sports section. So tell us why we're all so excited. This is a 48-page Southern Star sports section. And it's the biggest sports section we've ever done check and it is absolutely packed we have a 24 page Olympic game special right bang in the middle of the sports this week and it's possibly well it is it's the best content I think we've ever produced in terms of a of, of a special like this because we have interviews with our Olympians with, with Paul O'Donovan with Emily Hegarty with Eva Casey Finton McCarthy is in there and of course Phil Healy and we've we've insight from Phil Healy's sister Joan Healy tells us what makes her little sister so good former World and European Rowan champion Shane O'Driscoll from Skibbereen gives us an insight into coach Dominic Casey tells us what makes him so good we tell everyone why Paul O'Donovan is the greatest lightweight rower of his generation um, we talk to talk to the clubs involved we show these Olympians like you've never seen them before we look at, at what's coming up in the games there's so much in this Jack and there's also a piece on, the, on this call things you don't need to know about our Olympians but you still do and I think from that, you can see that we have, we have all the bases covered. But there's much more than that in this week's Southern Star because uh, just to match the summer heat we have, the action is red hot right now. We have obviously a big Kerry Cork preview. Also, there was three Carby under-21 football finals last weekend. So Carby Rangers won the A final, Gabriel Rangers won the B final, and St. Columns won the under-21 C final. And we've full-page match reports and pictures from all those in there as well. The Carberry footballers are in action on Tuesday night, so by the time people listen to this, we'll know how they get on. We have a full-page match report on that as well. The Beamish Cup final was on last weekend, and Dunmanway Town defended their 
their title. They beat Clannock Kilty for the second year in a row. And a hat tip here to Johnny Kelly, Jack. Johnny Kelly has won the Beamish Cup for three years in a row. Go back. He's forced to move to Ogre Celtic. Then he swapped over to Domenry Town and he's won two titles there. And he was captain last Sunday at Turner's Cross and he got the winning goal with two minutes to go. So well done, Johnny Kelly and Domenry Town. Also, Bunratty won the Championship Cup that was on at Turner's Cross as well. We also had our five local athletes out at the European under-20s and Dermot O'Connor from Brandon Athletic Club set a new national under-20 record. Um, Maeve O'Neill set a personal best. Maeve and Lauren Din, um, Lauren McCourt from Brandon teamed up for the Irish women's 4 by 400 metre relay team and they set a national record. And that is still the tip of the iceberg, Jack. This is 48 pages. There's, there's two weeks of reading in this. Um, so I think get out early Thursday morning, get your Southern Star, Find a nice bit of shade away from the summer sun. Sit back, relax. And as Robbie Williams said, let us entertain you. Yeah, absolutely. And I've been lucky enough to have a sneak preview at several of the pieces. And they really are good. I'm not just uh, buttering Kieran up because you can be certain that the national newspapers of Ireland will be jumping on the Skibbereen Rowing and Phil Healy bandwagon this week as well. But none of them will have the level of detail and in-depth insight that's in the Southern Star sports section this week. So, yes, the Irish Times, the Star, the Sun, they'll all have their Olympic pullouts. None will rival this for the insight we have into our local West Cork Olympians. So be sure to support local and pick up a copy of the Southern Star this week. As Kieran mentioned, 48 pages of sport. Where would you get it. And if you can't make it to the shop, if you're listening from somewhere other than West Cork, maybe you're listening in Swaziland, maybe you're listening in Timbuktu, just go to www.southernstar.ie forward slash e-paper and read the Southern Star on your computer, tablet or smartphone for less than two euro per week. And just before we wrap up again, I mentioned earlier that we will have a second podcast later in the week, which will be an in-depth preview into the Olympic rowing action that kicks off early Saturday morning. Kieran will be speaking to Jake McCarthy, brother of Finton and a world-class rower in his own right, who unfortunately missed out on the chance to qualify for the Olympics through injury, but he's still the man in the know. So Kieran will be chatting to him. We'll probably release that one on Thursday. So keep your eyes and ears peeled for that. Again, as I mentioned, our big story inside Ireland's greatest rowing club, which is an in-depth, behind-the-scenes look at how Skibbereen Rowing Club has become as successful as it has. That's available now. Just go to southernstar.ie or go to the Southern Star YouTube channel or search for the Southern Star on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. It's very easy to find. It's a brilliant piece of work. I collaborated with Kieran on. I know I just called something that we done brilliant. But anyway, look, if we can't praise ourselves, who will? It is brilliant, Jack. We should give <laughs> our hats off to ourselves. Like we gave Johnny Kelly a hat tip earlier. I think it's now to hat tip Kieran McCarthy and Jack McCarron because just to reiterate what Jack said, Inside Ireland's Greatest Rowing Club, it's a must watch because Skibbereen Rowing Club will become the talk of the, not just the, the, the Irish community, but the international sports world over the next couple of days and weeks because there are six rowers from this club are at the Olympics and of course coach Dominic Casey and our 
look behind the curtain shows what makes this club so special. So if you listen to this podcast, um, just hop over, listen, watch. But the Inside Ireland's Greatest Rowing Club is definitely worth looking at. And shout out too to Seamus O'Sullivan, who was on video duties for the day down at Skibbereen. And Club. shout out to Denise Walsh. She was our <laughs> tour guide at the Rowing Club that day. Denise was an international world-class rower herself, and she was the the best tour guide we could have asked. And she's she's a star of the show in some ways. So she's the former Ireland rower who's now a coach and she's very much skibbering rowing. So just a big thanks to Denise as well for giving us her time that morning at the rowing club. And it was a very, very enjoyable day. Yeah, and thanks to the whole club for opening their doors. We could just go through a list of people we need to thank. But let's end it there. Thank you, Kieran, And thanks to everyone out there for listening or watching the Star Sport Podcast. We'll be back, as I said, on Thursday with a rowing special. If you enjoy these shows, please make sure to rate, review and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube or wherever you get your podcast. Slán Tomlin.